You're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. Um, it is, what's today? March 22nd when we're recording this. So just want to acknowledge that obviously the world is changing very quickly. Um, but here we are from the heart of a pandemic coming to you with some ideas about playwriting. Let's do it. What's the <laughs> topic, Sam? So today we thought we would talk about um, character descriptions and some examples of character descriptions from plays that we enjoy and also what we think about when we are um, writing our character descriptions at the beginnings of our plays. So Sarah, uh, let's start with you. When you write a play, um, how do you... Okay, maybe I'm going out of order from what you said, but... Oh, well. No, totally cool. cool. (laughs) Um, How do you decide uh, how much information to give the reader of the play, whether that's the actor or the audience, or I guess the reader? Um, Yeah. What do you tell them about your characters? That's so funny. Um, You know, I always thought... Here's the thing. Like, no one teaches you about character descriptions, right? (laughs) Like, Mm. you just kind of look at it and you're... As a reader, you're like, okay, you read a character description and it informs um, – it's not going to tell you everything about the play in the character because then you're also, you know um, – what's the word? Uh, spoiling the, oh, <laughs> the story. You know? right. You don't want to sure. like, give all too much away, right? Um, but my approach to character description has always been – well, and I feel like in the beginning – I don't know. It goes back and forth. Sometimes I just go age, like the age, Mm -hmm. the race, or if there's, or if it's, that doesn't matter, like the, the sex, you know, or Mm -hmm. that's just super basic. Like, oh, um, and then maybe like one or two lines of like, if I think this description is going to help, um, reveal something about the play or like while or something about this character in the story of the play mm-hmm. how her perspective his or her perspective will shift or change for the reader if that makes sense yeah yeah um but i've seen so i i don't know sometimes i give a lot i'll I'll do a pair, almost like a paragraph of this character, because I'm like, maybe I know this character so well, like, but I don't want, maybe I don't want the the actors, <laughs> maybe I want to just be really helpful to the actors, um, but I don't know, I, I, I honestly don't have like a a set way of writing a, a description. Is it different for every play? I think so. Yeah, uh, one of my plays. And I told you this before we started recording, but one of the plays uh, from grad school, I used their their astrological signs, <laughs> each of them, because I just thought like, oh, each, well, I think when it was, it was part of a research, I was like, because we were so into horoscopes and like mm-hmm. the personalities of each sign, I'm like, that was research for me so that. I kind of knew those characters. I'm like, oh, she's very stubborn. Like she's in, she's an Aries. She's gonna be stubborn forever. Um, and then, <laughs> oh, this character's just like really grounded and just like, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of using all the signs to 
help uh, if for, really for me at the time, I think it was just for me. It can be a kind of shorthand yeah. for, for those character personalities. Yeah. But what would you do if a director wanted to direct that play and they're like, Sarah, I don't believe in astrology. I don't know what any of this means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you say, okay, I'll, I'll give you some other descriptions or would you just say, it doesn't matter. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, I would say, um, like, why, why not? Just have fun. Go look it up. Go look up your own side. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think what I did was like, I put their sign and just like one or two sentence about just a personality that's reflected by the sign, if that makes sense. Like if she's mm-hmm. stubborn, like, oh, she's very, like, she this is her way or the highway mm-hmm. <laughs> or something, you know, like, so it's not like, so I feel like I've made sure I wrote it, even if they don't know the sign to kind of get a feeling of it. And the, the sign is just like extra homework, I guess, if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Additional yeah. information. Additional information, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah, what's your approach to? Um, I don't know. I think it really depends on the play. Yeah. Because there are some plays where I want to give a lot of detail about um, not only a character's age, but also, you know, in some of my plays, um, race and ethnicity is really important and gender is really important and like where they grew up is really important and then in others of my plays I'm like you know what this person could be played by any gender um broad range of ages you know go to town and yeah. so I want to I want to talk about that really quickly because um, the specificity. Now, mm-hmm. I've been hearing this like in LA from all different writers being like, be specific mm-hmm. or your casting director won't cast them. Like, it's mm-hmm. like this like idea of um, diversifying your, you know, your cast. So being that's the writer's job to kind of like make sure to be clear if you if you want to pr- like pushed you know um yeah you know if you want asian american actors make sure you say that and I, I, that's why i'm kind of wondering if it's like this description of the specificity like if this is like recent thing or if it's always been this specific if that makes sense like, yeah that's a good yeah. question and i wonder too um like do you think it, it depends on the story you're telling or mm-hmm. Because I've seen a variety of approaches. Like I've seen yeah. um, a lot of playwrights will specify the gender and race and ethnicity um, and, you know, physical ability of a character of, you know, some of the characters in a play, but in the same play, they might leave some of the characters open and more um, kind of sketched out or um, abstracted. And and then they'll have a note that says, you know, something like, this play cannot be performed with an all-white cast, or, mm. um, you know, this pl- y- your cast should represent the diversity of this 
city, you know, where it's taking place. Um, and, and I can see, I guess I can see pros and cons to a variety of approaches. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it is really important this day and age, I guess, mm-hmm. to be specific. Because mm-hmm. another thing I've heard is like, I don't want to, it sounds like I'm bashing casting directors. I'm really not. <laughs> it's just, I think it's just the way the system is that we're like inherited into or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, I've heard that it's just easier, quote unquote, easier to find white actors than <laughs> any other actor. That's why like, you'll see more um, white actors on stage than any other race or something like that. You know, like there's more of them than less of those. That's why you have to be specific that you want a- like Asian American actors in your play so they could like stick out. But well, I don't right, know. And I wonder if, if, you know, the fact that most casting directors are white, you know, makes that a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that they are going to pull from people who are more familiar or within their own networks and networks, yeah. Take the path of least resistance, and that it's the job of the playwright to buck that trend. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's putting a lot on the playwright. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, and when I also think there's a role for the director to play too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so. Like having those conversations for sure is important mm-hmm. to be like, how do I, you want to cast this? Um, mm-hmm. Do you do character descriptions after you write the play or do before you start writing the play? I often find it a doorway into my own first draft to give just a little bit of information about each character, even if it's something that's going to become irrelevant later. Um, if I have a character and I know one thing about them, for example, that they like to wear yellow raincoats or that they are bad at singing, like just one detail helps me start to see them as a character rather than just a character name. And, and then the story can kind of snowball out of that one detail. Um, mm-hmm. even if then later I go back and I'm like, you know what, this really was not significant and I can take it out now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really add character detail after I've written the play. It's more like anything. Okay. Okay. So, so before you start writing your play, you start with the character descriptions and the list. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's how it has gone so far mm-hmm. in my life. Do you go back and write them <laughs> after? Um, I think, no, I think, I think I'm the same way. I think I start with the character description because, you know, I think in my brain, you know, title page, what's next? character description I like I want to go in this like linear route me too so yeah so that's why and I think starting with the character descriptions like I'm like I don't even know what this play is about yet and this is just a beginning of like a brainstorming session like who I want to see in this play if the whatever this play is going to be mm-hmm. 
So it's like, like, yeah. Thinking up names because names are hard. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up with names that, holy cow. I have, I've, I've always had, a huge struggle coming up with names like i always just start with like jane this girl's jane <laughs> really her name is jane i'll figure it out later it's just jane right now <laughs> i love that jane doe um that's so then, funny yeah i i i cannot i have to have a name before i start writing like i cannot write about a character whose name might change i don't know why i feel like Right. If I change the name, then everything else about them has to change too. Well, it's such a hassle to go back and change all their names. Like, yeah. oh god, okay. You just do control uh, find and then replace. Yeah. Oh, you know, I learned that this new function on Final Draft it'll just change automatically all the names. Okay, I will just, never like, use Final Draft, but that does sound very <laughs> <yeah>. convenient. <laughs> I just learned. I just learned this recently. That was a function. I'm like, wow. I don't know anything about Final Draft. Um. But yeah, um, I think I, I, I've listened to an episode of um, the screenwriting podcast. What's it called? Script Notes. One time they're talking about characters and age is important, right? Because if mm-hmm. you say like this person is 50 years old, like, you know, think about a 50 year old person they've lived through certain decades or a certain life. And then so their, their politics might be informed a certain way. Are they like mm. a baby boomer, you know, like their age. I didn't think about this because I was like, Oh, age is age. Like it doesn't really matter. I was, was kind of like, <laughs> they're old or young, who cared? There's, and they're somewhere in the middle. But I was like, it made me really think about, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like a 50 year old, 60 year old, 70 year old are going to have way different ideas about the world than, a 20 year old today who's really into social media, <laughs> you know, like I yeah. was reading, um, you know, the, the thing that's happening. Remember the whole Florida, uh, all these spring breakers in Florida during this pandemic. Yeah. And then I saw this interview, this, so the, the two perspective, like a 20 year old is like, I I'm young. I get it. I get it. I'm going to live whatever. Right. And this, they interviewed an older woman. Like, what do you think of these young spring breakers? Uh, doing you know being out there and there's all this happening she's like i think they think they know everything they are selfish they think they think that you know when i was their age and it was the i don't know it was like the cold wars i'm like like we did our part to for our country and these kids don't care about our country like you know just like <laughs> like there's like two very perspectives and then and then uh, you know for me i'm always thinking about like like the, the economics their socioeconomic background like here's a young poly he's like broke college student no there you know there's no jobs out there that you're being told that and there's no investment for your future or whatever and then here's older people who are just like they have a house <laughs> they, right, they have. right so you're thinking so you're constantly thinking that i mean my brain is always there like constantly thinking about that's like when you pick an age that they ha- will have a certain point of view about the world that they're living in. Yeah. yeah. Right. But then at the same time, I think what makes characters interesting is when they go against the grain of what we would expect, you know? So I'd love to see mm-hmm. a play about like an 80 year old mm-hmm. woman who's on the beach in Florida. Who's like, yeah, totally. And I think that's the fun of, of writing that, where you take what 
we all think, like I just said, it's probably maybe other people thought of it too, like that norm of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then how do you subvert and sub- make surprises and have yeah. fun with it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a really good point. And, and I think uh, a lot of times, you know, the consideration around character description and how much detail to give and how much, um, how much you want to kind of specify which bodies are going to be playing the role is based on this, you know, this simple fact that different people move through the world in different ways and have different experiences and privileges and, um, blindnesses and so it it's always a balance of how much how much do do you want to like leave it up to an individual production and how much do you want to specify Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely okay well shall we look at some examples yeah okay um I I thought I'd start with this play called uh, Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, which is by Katori Hall. I really love this play. And um, she has some great characters. So this, this play is set um, during the last days of World War II in Memphis, Tennessee, in a beauty shop and boarding house for women. Um, it's a beautiful play. It has a big cast, which I love. Um, because that is kind of against the grain right now. And so um, she has a couple character descriptions that I'm going to read. So she has this character, Taffy. Late teens, Mabel's disgruntled younger sister, an ugly duckling longing to be a swan, a bit socially Mm -hmm. inept. And then she has Miss Mary, 30 going on 60, which I think is a really cool way to do age right like we were talking about age a moment mm-hmm. ago you can say the characters kind of chronological age but then you can also say how they feel inside so 30 going on 60 tells me a lot about um you know what this woman has seen and lived through and how she sees the world even though she might be 30 in the number of years she's lived she has this kind of um authority and maybe gravity to her and then and then she has some um she has some physical description too so dot 30s to 40s round as a dot (laughs) um (laughs) jackie 30s to 40s skinny as a stick um so there's this kind of poetry to these uh these character descriptions as well which i really love so it's the age and then just like a little bit of physicality or emotional texture yeah yeah that's interesting um you said that one of the description was stick skinny as a stick yeah skinny as a stick oh i see i see okay yeah Yeah, so one is one character is round as a dot and there's another (laughs) character is skinny as a skinny as a stick Yeah. yeah yeah and you know, in that description, all of them, you, it, it doesn't. I mean, it tells you about the characters, but it's not gonna. It's not telling you about the play so far. Like it's right. It's so that's an that's a good example. I think of because I think sometimes I've done this. I've done this myself, but where I 
maybe I come back to the character's description after writing the play, and then now I have so much more information about the play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, go back. I'm like, okay, so this is what this character's gonna do. <laughs> like, <laughs> her, this is her story, her arc. And then I kind of like start like look, giving a little too much information at the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's my tendency sometimes because I'm like, I think my brain is like, if, you know, the reader is reading this, like, how much do they want to know before embarking? Is this, is this information enough to make excite them that they don't want to continue reading the play, you know? Well, and I think it depends on who your audience is, right? Like, if you're, yeah. if you're using those character descriptions as a way to, to pique um, a literary manager's interest, right? You know, or somebody who might be interested in doing your play, that's really different than if you are publishing a book of all of your plays and somebody is just going to sit down and read them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder whether the ones that I'm looking at right now in these published books are actually changed from how they were, mm. you know, before the play yeah. was produced. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording about how a lot of older plays have no character descriptions or they just yeah. have age. Or, you know, so I'm guessing this one, Katori Hall, there was a page, right? Before the play started, it was like, here's yeah. a char- look at the mm-hmm. character. So I'm, I just picked up a play, Eve Ensler's Necessary Targets. Mm-hmm. There's no character list or anything. It's mm-hmm. just scene one, and I'll just read it briefly, like lights up on a posh living room a coffee table with plates of food js a stunning reserved woman near 50 sits with melissa a young strong woman who sits awkwardly on the sofa drinking water um melissa wipes up the excess water that her drink has left on the coffee table js moves around a wooden object toward her so it's her their character description is in the stage direction and this which is this is so that's why i'm like in terms of formatting has it when like i don't know maybe it's just the the playwright's choice to when to put the character description do you want to separate it into a list on a separate page or in your play or maybe both yeah embedded which i think this like even screenplays are do that that way where you embed the character description that's true so i'm like wondering you know, when did this change of like putting a whole page of character description? Like, do you think it's part of the submission? You know, where we were like, make oh. sure you put a play or put a character description. And maybe I wonder if that's informed the way playwrights started changing. I don't know. I'm just like spitballing here. <laughs> okay, like, okay. I'm really glad you brought up screenplays because it just reminded me of one of my favorite screenplays ever. Now, granted, I don't have that many <laughs> screenplays that I've read, uh, but I really love the screenplay of Thelma and Louise um, mm. by Callie Curry, and I love her character descriptions, so I'm just going to read these. They're right at the beginning. Okay. Fade in, interior, restaurant, morning, present day. Louise is a waitress in a coffee shop. She's in her early 30s, but too old to be doing this. She's very pretty and meticulously groomed, even at the end of her shift. She is slamming dirty coffee cups from the counter into a bus tray underneath the counter. It's making a lot of racket, which she is oblivious to. And then Thelma is a housewife. It's morning and she's slamming coffee cups from the breakfast table into the kitchen sink, which is full of dirty breakfast dishes and some stuff left from last night's dinner, which had to soak. 
She is still in her nightgown. The TV's on in the background. And just like the introduction to these two characters and what they're doing um, and how they're doing it tells us so much about who they are. You know, she doesn't say like she's tired, right? Or Mm -hmm. she's irritable. You know, she just shows us what they're doing and how they're doing it. And that tells us in a very kind of efficient way Mm -hmm. um, how these two women feel about their lives. Yeah. For those who have not seen the movie or know anything about the movie, right? Like for Thelma and Louise, it's like these two women who sort of like team up together on this Mm -hmm. crazy wild ride. And when I was hearing that character description, that word slamming, both Mm -hmm. of them slamming, I was like, I love that that it it connects to two of them. Like that these two are going to be almost like the same duo. Like they're going to be together in yeah. some way. By just c- having that one word connect these two characters, you know? Yes. Oh, that's so such I a love good observation. That. Yeah, I love that word slamming. That was so great. And I, I just saw it. The I, You could see it. They were like slamming the, the coffee cups, like a slamming, you know, they're just like, these two are going to be like, two what is it two pods and or no two, two peas, peas in, the in same, a pod yeah two peas in a pod type uh character story okay yeah. here's one more daryl is um thelma's husband okay here's how we meet daryl daryl comes trotting down the stairs polyester was made for this man and he's dripping in men's jewelry uh, he's checking himself out in the hall mirror, and it's obvious he likes what he sees. Oh my he god! He exudes overconfidence for reasons that never become apparent. He likes to think of himself as a real lady killer. <laughs> <gasps> it's so good, and I think so what funny. makes it so good is it's active. Like it shows mm. us what he's doing, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. Um, rather than just giving us a bunch of adjectives, yeah. Um, it, it reveals so much about who they are <laughs> just by that yeah. active well, – what they're doing. Like, what they're doing is, is showing us – like, I didn't bring all this jewelry, likes what he sees in the mirror. Like, already I'm like, oh, he's so <laughs> slimy. I don't like I him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Those are such great descriptions. Yeah. Yeah, especially for a medium like film where you, you – how do you portray such this visual medium? Like you want the reader to see what you're, what you want the audience to see, you know? Mm -hmm. So that visual is so great. Mm -hmm. Which is now interesting. Now I'm like, when I look at the character descriptions and plays, it's more like, I don't know, psychology than. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times with plays, you, if you're, especially if you're telling a story where people are at odds with each other. Um, yeah. If, if you don't want to have a clear villain, I, I think a lot of playwrights try to specify that we shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily be taking sides easily. So mm. like we, before we started recording, we were talking about um, Dance Nation by Claire Barron. And she says in her casting note, Everyone is nice, everyone is vulnerable, and everyone is trying their hardest. So it gives you this idea right from the beginning that none of these girls are, you know, kind of mean girls with no mm. 
with no uh, inner soul. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they're all trying their hardest and they're all nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't right off the bat be like, this is the pro- protagonist. This is the antagonist. Yeah. This is um, it's so interesting. Yeah. Well, listeners, we'd love to hear what you think about character descriptions, your thoughts. <laughs> and how do you approach them? What kind of information do you include? Or not include? Maybe maybe you have your own secret character description that you don't want anyone to see. <laughs> You're just like, it's for yourself. <laughs> Actually, that's a really interesting idea. Like, maybe... Yeah, I mean, I can imagine a situation where you have all this information about the characters that helps you write the play, mm. but then you don't put that in the list that other people see. Yeah, it just it's just for you. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good writing exercise. Just like you know, it's interesting. My students, when I teach playwriting, a lot of them, especially if they're used to writing fiction, start out with these really elaborate descriptions like they're specifying height and eye color and hair color and Mm. you know this person has a freckle on their nose (laughs) and and so I have to kind of you know it's great that they have all this attention to detail and yet I'm I'm have to remind them that um if you make it too narrow you might not find an actor who has that eye color and that freckle on their nose and unless it's really important to the story, it might might make more sense to leave some of that open. Mm. Um, Totally. I don't know. It's a different medium. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less is more, folks. Less is more. Sometimes. Sometimes, but all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right. All right. Well, shall we move to glistens? Yeah, let's move to glistens. Um, What's your glisten, Sarah? My glisten is, uh, well, actually, it's you know, Okay, it's two, but it kind of is one. So what I've been like to do, what I've been doing a lot recently, is crocheting a lot. And mm. just like listening to podcasts, <laughs> so like, so um, I discovered this podcast called called Asian Enough. It's these two LA Times reporters, and that goes on to like a deep dive about Asian Americans and entertainment, and they do all cool. these interviews. It's 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 just started this month, and it's been really cool to listen to. Like I, I don't know, I don't know if it's because like Asian Americans, we were. We were the way we were raised is like, is like survivalist mode. Like it's you, it's up to you. All this, this like responsibility is on your shoulder. So I feel like sometimes I'm very like, I don't like to talk to like other people about my current situation or so I don't know how to describe it, but especially with other Asian Americans, like I don't talk, really find them and I don't really talk to them. Mm. Um, I mean, I have like, I have in my network, I have like a couple like really great friends who, you know, happen to be Asian Americans, but like, and we could get into these topics and talk about our experiences and what we're dealing with in the entertainment world or whatever. But it was nice to find a podcast where now it's like, 
oh, it feels like more open and they're having these conversations about um, the experience and then mm-hmm. and how like, you know, just like our history or like, you know, the, our all our parents are probably were like or grandparents were immigrants and then moved to America and that that journey and like it's kind of like how informs our perspective and being citizens in the country you know like that kind of those ideas that that it's like it was in my head but now I'm like listening to it other people talk about it then I'm like oh thank god I'm like I thought I was just crazy I was the only crazy mm. person thinking like this but I'm not the only one that thinks like this like which is kind of so it's been really cool to just hear all these people talk about it. so Asian enough it's a podcast how do you recommend can you give an example of something where you're like, oh, I thought I was the only person? Um, that? It was okay. So I listened to the John Cho interview, and it's something, it's like towards the end, he said something. This is just an example I'm thinking right now because it was just so funny. But so at the end of the podcast, they do like bad Asian confession. <laughs> it's like, as an Asian, I mean, you're like, what you feel bad about, like, you don't want to do or whatever. It's just, it's really funny. It's kind of sometimes it's sentimental, sad, but John Cho said something like, I will never take you to Koreatown. Don't expect me to take you to Koreatown, <laughs> go to a restaurant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like laughing. I'm like, what do you mean? Right. And he said, like, I don't want to be your Sherpa to the mm-hmm. word, like to this thing. Be like, oh, try this. Like, try eating this. Like, it's so good, you know? And it made me a thought. And then because he says something like his dad or his parents would do that to their guests, like who would never try Asian food as a way to being like, 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 we're normal. Like, you know, oh, we're wow. interesting. Yeah. We're kind of like, and it's something about John Cho said that like when he saw his parents there, like he hated them doing that. You know, why yeah. do we have to cater to them like this? You know? And then, and then I didn't think about that, but like, I, like, I mean, I, I, for me, like, I, like, I, I would love, like, if I find a really good Korean restaurant, like, I want to take my friends and like, tell them about a Korean restaurant and like, let's go here and let's eat here. But like, this like that view I was like I like I think I I hate the moment where they're like want me to speak Korean and hear me speak Korean and I'm like I was like I don't like I'm not gonna speak Korean like I will speak English you know like I that there's this moment like I I have this weird experience like that this is awkward and then like Mm -hmm. and I have this like internal turmoil like oh they they probably want to see me speak Korean. All right, what Korean words do I know? Oh my God, this Korean way is going to think I'm crazy that I don't really know my Korean well, well and judge me. Like, I'm just constantly like in this weird, I put myself in this weird position, but it's like, but I just find that, so when I heard that's his perspective, his story, I was like, oh, I I know that feeling. And I'm like, I yeah. get that. So, yeah. and that's so, it's like, it's so ultra specific. I don't like, I don't know if anyone else would like get that except, you know, Koreans or like Asians or who had that similar but I don't know maybe it's Korean specific because like the the host I think he was Taiwanese and he was like I love dim sum I want to tell everyone about my dim sum all the time you know <laughs> yeah. but it's just like something I don't know so not everybody has the same relation but I, I understood what he said when he said that you know like oh yeah yeah god you're talking about going to a restaurant and I'm just feeling like oh my god that's from another time <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sam, I know, right? It's like even just in the past couple of days when I – if I read about or like if I watch a video or anything where people are like 
at a cafe or hugging each other. It's like I have this yeah. visceral reaction, like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not safe. Right. I know. Um, oh, my God. When I'm watching movies yeah. and they're like, they touch their face, like, stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not even real. But I'm like, don't touch your face, Corona. I know. Oh, man. It's so crazy how our life has changed. Oh, wow. Anyways. Well, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my glisten is The Little Prince, which I made you watch. <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, and it was just exactly what I needed right now, which was a children's movie in which there was no, um, nobody was talking about pandemics or the apocalypse or the end of the world. Yeah. It was, it's based on the book, but it adds a whole other story on top of it mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah I, thought, I recommend I it that, i thought that little girl story was so sad but with her relationship with her mom i, I was know. like this is this is a kid's movie like i feel bad for her. i mean very relatable like especially those like moms and parents who helicopter their kids like crazy like mm. i my mom was never like that because she was too busy <laughs> surviving um but i've seen my cousin's their parents way they haul helicopter and i'm like whoa this is like really intense like i don't understand how this the level of stress to put on a kid like that but yeah other than that uh, i thought the movie was weird (laughs) it's weird and delightful listeners like yeah a lot of it doesn't make sense but that's okay because nothing makes sense right now. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Very um, true. Yeah. Well, people, um, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We hope you're doing okay out there. Don't forget to follow us and like us and recommend us. And yeah, you know, go back and listen to all our episodes in all your free time. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, no excuse now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Goodbye, folks.